were paying attention to the words of that last song there, have you really learned to trust Jesus? Think about that, would you? Have you really, really, really learned to trust Him? And uh, what a great song that is. If you'd find your place this morning in Romans chapter number 10, Brother Jim read our text this morning, so I will not read it again. And uh, just real quickly, we will have a very brief business meeting after church tonight. If you're a member of Calvary Baptist Church, please make sure, please make sure you are able to be here tonight. And we're going to look at just two items tonight. And so uh, we'll, we'll do that. It shouldn't take very long at all. So Romans chapter uh, 10. You know, at times it is necessary to spend more time and energy to help someone understand an idea or an issue. Some things are complex, right? Some things are hard to understand. Some things are a little tricky. Sometimes they're worded strange and it takes a little, uh, a little more time. Take voting, for example. Voting. An extremely difficult task for some people. And it takes a little more to try to figure out what you're supposed to do. I mean, think about it. You've got to figure out who you're supposed to vote for. That can be tough for some people. You've got to figure out where you're supposed to go and do the voting. That can be quite the task, right? And uh, may, you, you might have to try to figure out what all of the instructions mean when you get your little sheet to vote, a blue or black pen. Hopefully they have it there for you. Fill in the circle. That could be really difficult, right, to fill in the circle. That can be hard if you've never learned to color with inside the lines. Uh, maybe it might say to take the ballot to the worker, and uh, that could be difficult. We understand that. And they feed it into the machine, and the machine reads it. And I'm telling you, even though it's designed for those who are 18 years and up to accomplish, it can still be a very arduous task, right? It can be very tough. You know I'm being facetious this morning, don't you? Yeah. E- even the places that have the digital voting machines, and you've got, I've never been at one of those, but I've seen them, and all you have to do is take your finger, index finger, pinky, thumb, it doesn't matter, take some appendage that's hanging off of your hand and push the button on the screen for the guy that you want to vote for, or the girl you want to vote for, right? And I'm telling you what, that can be pretty tough. And sometimes it needs to be explained a little better. Don't even bring up the punch cards from George W. Bush, okay? We know that poking out the little squares and the hanging chads destroyed American history. We understand that. It It was difficult. It was difficult. It was a hard thing. Actually, if you have the IQ of a Bodark stump, you can vote. Right? You can figure it out, all right? If, if, you can, if you have the IQ, okay, let's go up a little higher, of a rock, you can figure out how to color in the circle. Okay, you might have to ask your husband who to vote for. Okay, whatever. But you can, you can fill in the circle. You can push the button. You can poke out the little square. It's not that difficult to do. And even as political parties have gone to extreme lengths to help their constituents learn how to vote, wouldn't you know it, they still need help. You know what I'm starting to wonder? I'm starting to wonder if the people who don't know how to vote don't know how to vote because they don't want to know how to vote because there are other agendas going on. 
I'm not even talking about voting today. I'm just giving you an introduction here. <laughs> it happens on both sides, right? We've got to have this law. We've got to have this one. What they end up saying really is they insult the intelligence of their constituents and saying they're really not smart enough to push a button or fill in a circle, right? Or, or, or make it their vote or whatever the issue is. You know, it, it seems like there's something else that's really at play. Not that anybody needed any more information, but there is actually something else going on. And really, in some ways, might be a really bad illustration. But in, some, in many ways, it doesn't seem like this is very much dissimilar from Israel's condition today. And I want to look at this this morning at Israel's refusal, Israel's refusal to believe. And really what we have here in chapter 10, I guess you might say chapter 9, chapter 11, is a little bit of a, 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 um, a parenthesis here in Romans. Paul is dealing with Israel and what you've noticed here when he's going on all of this about whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him who they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? Really what Paul's saying, they've had it all. They've had, Israel had all of this and they still haven't believed. They had the prophets, ladies and gentlemen. They had the prophets. Moses, all the way back in Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verse 15 said, The Lord thy God will raise up a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Moses was telling them that a prophet was coming, a Messiah was coming. Isaiah said it in chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto you a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and they shall shall call his name Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You could go to Isaiah chapter number 53 and you could see that the prophets were telling of a coming Messiah that would be in their midst. Look at chapter uh, Isaiah chapter 53, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, speaking of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He goes on through the rest of the chapter of chapter 53. They speaking of the coming Messiah. Look at verse 11. And he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. 
iniquities. If you remember in John chapter 1 and verse 36, John the Baptist came out and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He came to bear the iniquity, not only of Israel, but also of the world. Amen? The prophets prophesied of Jesus Christ. Hey, you can go back to Psalm 22. Look at this. Listen to this. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Sound familiar, doesn't it? Why art thou far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, verse 7, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Verse 12, Many bulls have compassed me, but strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and as a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, and is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me to the dust of and into the dust of death. For dogs, Gentiles, have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked, the religious crowd, have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. The prophets uh, spoke of the coming Messiah. Jacob told about it in Genesis chapter 49. Listen to verse 10. Or verse 9, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, my son. Thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as an old lion who, was, who shall rouse him up. Jacob is leaving his blessing to his 12 sons and he's speaking to Judah. Listen to verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Uh, Jacob knew it. Isaiah knew it. Moses knew it. You could go all the way back, all the way back to Job. I love these words of Job in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his anguish and his grief. He says this, for I know, I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the latter day upon the earth. Amen. Are we looking forward to that? And though after my skin, worms destroy this body. Listen to this. Yet in my flesh... I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job knew it, though his body go into the grave, that one day in his flesh he was going to see God. The prophets knew about it. And Israel had all of the prophets prophesying for all of this time that the Messiah was coming. They had 4,000 years of preparation and proclamation for the coming Messiah. And not only that, listen, he came. We're living on the other side, amen? He came. Do you know we like to be connected to things that are bigger than us? Think about that. Missouri, we say this, Missouri, the home of Mark Twain. And we think, oh yeah, yeah, Mark Twain. Yeah. Walt Disney, yeah, that's pretty good. I won't go into that. Yeah, home of, if you're a real redneck, uh, Springfield, home of Bass Pro Shop. You are, a, you are not a real redneck until you make your yearly pilgrimage to Bass Pro, right? Yeah. No, we like to be connected to things that are bigger than ourselves. Arkansas, home of the toothbrush, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been called the teeth brush. We know that. 
take you a minute on that one. Ah, state rivalry, it's okay. America. I'm an American, amen? America, greatest free nation that has ever been on the planet for the good of so many others. Oh yeah, we've got problems, don't we? We can spend time on that. Oh, we like to be, watch, we like to be connected to things that are bigger than us. Can I tell you, Israel had their connection as well? (laughs) Yeah, Abraham was their father. Wow. Abraham was their father. The covenants that God made with Abraham ensured their posterity, that they were going to be around as long until the Messiah come. And after we know this, they will, they will still be around after that because God's going to deal with them again. They received the oracles of God. Think about this. When God spoke and he wanted his word written, he made sure that it was that that family of Abraham, the lineage and the line of Abraham, that would be those that would write down, as they moved by the Holy Ghost, they would write down the word of God and compile it and keep it together and make sure it it was preserved. God worked through them that way for the preservation of the word of God. Yeah, The oracles of God, they are connected to all of this. And they had the, watch, they had the greatest home of declaration that anybody could have ever had, which was the Messiah was going to be born out of their lineage. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Somebody may, hey, some of you might have some great things in your lineage, right? Like, oh yeah, Tennyson, wasn't that an author? Wasn't he, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Tennyson, there's a good author there, yeah, yeah. Any connection? No, probably not. I remember somebody who was so happy with their connection to a certain family last name. They were, they were parts of the sons of the sons of the revolution and daughters of the revolution up in the northeast. And they were so proud of this great connection of their last name until one of the people in that family said, ah, the best thing that will ever happen is when that name is off the planet. And they said, well, yeah, but he died at the, at the Battle of Concord and Lexington. And he said, no, he didn't. He died running the other way. He got shot in the back. <laughs> some, people, some people want this to have this great connection, right? No, listen, Israel had a wonderful connection. It was called the Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah was coming out of their line. They had something to put up of, the home of. Could you imagine this? That would be a great sweatshirt to sell in Israel. Probably wouldn't sell, would it? Israel, home of Jesus, you know. Home of the greatest. Home of, home of the Messiah, right? Yeah, they, I'm sure not many would buy it. Tourists would buy it. Yeah, and the Jews would sell it. They'd be all right with that. No, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, was coming from the line of David. And, and, and as Jacob said, the Messiah was coming from the line of the tribe of Judah. They had the prophets. They had the Messiah. No, wait, Israel had believed this in the past. They believed he was coming. Micah 5, 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall come forth unto me that is ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been from everlasting, I'm sorry, from old, from everlasting. They had believed this. The prophets believed this. Job believed this. Moses believed this. Isaiah believed it. Jeremiah believed this. They, They believed it all. And even when Jesus was born, there were those still awaiting his coming. Look at this. Would you turn to Luke chapter 2? Watch this real quick. Luke chapter 2. Listen to this. 
Jesus had been circumcised. Mary and Joseph were bringing him to present him to the Lord as the law had said. And they were coming into the temple in verse 25, Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was just a man. Didn't say he was of any rank or anything in this passage right here. And the same man was just and devout. Look at this. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah. He believed it and he was waiting for him. And the Holy Ghost was upon him and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit told him, now go to the temple. Go ahead, get up there, you need to see what's coming. And he went in there, look. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, how would he have picked them out? Just look like anybody else. The Holy Spirit had told them. Then he took him up in his arms. Took, I'm sorry, and then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy words. Look at this. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Amen. Yeah. They had believed it. They believed he was coming. Watch, Israel also knew, not only did they have the prophets, not only did they know the Messiah was coming, not only did many in the Old Testament and even all the way up here in the New Testament uh, believe that the Messiah was coming and were waiting for him, they also knew that there was a possibility they would reject him. You said they were told that as well? Yes, they were. Would you look at our text, please? Romans chapter Number 10, look at verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out unto all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Whose sound and whose words? Well, we have Moses mentioned here. We have Elijah uh, Isaiah mentioned here, right? The prophets here, their sound went out into all the world, into all the earth. Did they know? Have they not heard? Yes, they have heard. Paul is saying here by the Holy Spirit, yes, Israel has heard the gospel. Yes, they knew the Messiah was coming. God had warned them over and over again. Look at verse 19. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them are who are, that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Turn back to Deuteronomy 31. I want to show you this. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses was coming to the end of his time. And he was preparing Israel for his, for his being gone. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, listen to what he says in verse 27. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more so after my death. Now turn over to chapter 32, just a page over. Look at verse 3. 
Moses, Moses starts out, Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto the Lord. He is the rock, his word is perfect, his work is perfect, and all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Look at verse 21. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Israel knew, they knew that there was the possibility and the probability that they were going to reject God. They heard the word of God regarding the Messiah. God had warned them over and over again, and God had warned them that other people we're going to seek after God instead of them. And I just read this in verse 20. But Isaiah says, very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. If they had just known their Bible, amen. If they had just known the word of God, Jesus said in John 5, 39, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. They thought their eternal life was set up in the scripture, but they missed who it was all about. It was about Jesus Christ. If they had just had a heart like Simeon who was waiting for the Messiah and was, uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit of God and knew when he came, if they would have recognized him when he came. But what? wait, 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 wait. But maybe, just maybe, they couldn't see him because they didn't want to see him. Maybe they didn't want to. No, friend, that is not really a maybe. It's, it's, it's here. They didn't want to see them. It wasn't who they wanted. That wasn't the Messiah they were thinking of. See, Simeon didn't care what it was. He, just, he, he was a man of God filled with the Holy Ghost, and he knew what God said, and he, he wanted what God had. Amen. The other, watch, the others were just... They were just looking for what they had built up in their own mind of what God should be. Can I tell you what some people's problem is today? Because they had made, listen, they had made God out to be something he's not. And they've been dis- disappointed in what he's, what he's been and what you thought he should have been. That's right. Yeah. Good you see what happened here? Israel said no to Jesus. They said no. They didn't want him. Look at verse 21. You see, there was never a time when God wasn't working in Israel's life. Look at this. But, I, but to Israel, he saith, all day long. All day long. There has never been a time when God has not sought out to draw Israel to himself. And can I tell you, he's not done today either. The church is not Israel. Okay? We are not Israel. The time of the Gentiles have to be fulfilled. Which means they're coming to an end. Which means God is going to deal with Israel again. Yeah. And they're going to look on him whom they pierced and they're going to believe. Yeah. But they've said no. And God is still stretching out his hands. Look at this. He's, he's going after them all day long. Look at this. All day long I have stretched forth my hands. 
He is after them so much. What does that, what does that phrase mean? Stretch forth his hands. It's got several meanings, really. First one is judgment. Listen to Isaiah 5.25. Therefore the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hands against them, and hath smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. It's talking about judgment. Not only is it talking about judgment, but the outstretched arms of God is speaking of relationship. Psalm 143, the psalmist said in verse 6, I stretched forth my hands unto thee, my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Relationship. As a child sticking out his arms wanting to be picked up, wanting to be held. Not only judgment, not only relationship, but also deliverance. Listen to Jeremiah Chapter 32 and verse 21. And hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror. You have judgment and relationship and deliverance. Listen, listen, folks. Listen what's going on here. God was stretching forth his hands to Israel, desiring that he would be everything they needed and wanted. Sound familiar to the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall have need of nothing. Everything that, that, it, that it, God encompasses everything that I need or desire. And the Apostle Paul here says to the Holy Spirit, but, Israel, but to Israel he saith all the day long, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Disobedient. We know what that means. Let me give you another definition of disobedient. To refuse to be persuaded. Hmm, Think about that. I mean, we say many times, if we believe something, we'll do it. The reason we don't obey is because we don't believe. And a disobedient person refuses to be persuaded. Not only disobedient, he said, I've stretched it out unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. What's that word gainsaying mean? Webster's 8.28, to contradict, to oppose in words, to deny or to declare not to be true what another says, to controvert, to dispute. Watch, God offered Israel everything and all of himself. And all they did was oppose, deny, dispute, and argue. Hmm. Yeah. No, God did everything. And they said no. Watch, even though judgment and correction came, they have still refused to be persuaded. They have still refused to obey. What has the outcome of this been? Well, the church has become the vehicle for the gospel. Do you ever wonder if Jonah was a picture of what God wanted Israel to be? Going out into all the world and preaching repentance and faith in God? (laughs) The Gentiles had the same access to Israel that Israel had. Without, without, there's no difference now in worship. They had access to God by Jesus Christ. 
Rome invaded Israel, A.D. 70. The temple was destroyed. Jesus was right again, obviously. Not one stone would be left on another. And in July, uh, at about, from, from what history says, July 17th, A.D. 70, the, 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 the sacrifices ceased. And they have not yet resumed for 2,000 years. What was the outcome of saying no? What was the outcome? Israel lives in a constant state of attack. No peace. No peace. Those of you and those of us that have been there, you've seen them walk around carrying their M4s, carrying their weapons. 18 years and old, old and up, they've got their weapons walking around in their fatigues at all times. Flybys at one in the morning that make you jump out of bed. Yeah, clearing off, clearing off mountains at uh, mountain pass that was that was a uh, an outlook and a tourist attraction and clearing it out so they can bomb Syria because Syria is getting too close. Yeah, no peace. No peace. They were slaughtered during World War II. They said, remember the words, I, I, we just said this not too long ago. Remember the words uh, to, to Pilate, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And it has been. Yeah. I'm not happy about that, folks. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Right? I, I, I'm with Paul. I want Israel to be saved. If you get those anti-Semitic, quote, independent Baptists, shut them off. They're idiots. They're ungodly. They're unbiblical. Yeah. Wait, wait. Even while the gospel was being preached to them, they could have believed. They were blinded in part, not in whole. Paul got saved. Amen. How how many? The the Jerusalem church was about 14,000, maybe 90% of them Jews, maybe, got saved. But they didn't want them, did they? I think about this, and to me, listen, to me, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I think that's, that's the best word I can come up with. Mind-boggling. With all that they had, with all that they were given, with all that they saw, with all of the evidences that, that, they, that they were given, and they said, no. No. Crazy, isn't it? What about you and me? What about us? Now we have even more. (laughs) We have the resurrected Christ. Well, they did too in Paul's day. We have 2,000 years of history. We have 2,000 years of people attacking it, and the the book is still here. Amen? Yeah. Still here. We have people trying to squash the church. Still here. Amen. People are still getting saved. Amen. Yeah. Missionaries are still going out. Churches are still being planted. People are coming to Christ still. They've been trying to squash it out. It hasn't happened. Why? Because Jesus said it wouldn't. Yeah. What, about, what about the amount of time some of you and I, some of us have had, the amount of time we've had attending church, hearing the preaching of the Word of God, Hearing multiple, uh, uh, multiple, uh, uh, or having multiple Bibles in the home, 
to read at any given time. How about, how about us who has the history of God's work and faithfulness? You've seen him answer prayer. You've seen him move mountains in your life. You've watched him meet your needs after you've stepped out by faith and said, I don't know how this is going to work, but I really believe, I really believe this is what God wants us to do. And you step out and boy, he shows up and he confirms it. And you just keep walking forward in faith. You've known what it is to have his presence when you've obeyed and been in a heart of obedience. You've listened. You've listened to the countless testimonies of others who have assured you from their own life that God can be trusted. But you might be here today running from God. Why? Because you just don't want to do what God wants you to do. No, not because you lack evidence. Not because you need something more. Because you just don't want God. You know what happens? God's judgment becomes active in your life. No, not not all of God's judgment looks the same, friend. Peace is gone. Yeah, that just that, that deep contentment and peace that you're in the will of God, that you have a heart for God. You're under the judgment of God today and that sense of safety is gone. It just feels like at any moment the hammer is going to drop. It's all going to blow up and it's all going to come apart. Maybe you've even come to the place where God's judgment is active in your life. Constant family turmoil, constant problems, with children, problems with finances, constantly losing spiritual battles. I remember a story an individual told in a biblical counseling class we had to take once. And the man who taught the class uh, gave an exam, he told about a a young lady, a college uh, young lady that he, uh, they were, uh, they were um, counseling. <laughs> and it was, it was kind of, part of it was interesting. She said, he said, we, she, she came in, she had all these problems with her friends at school, problems, no, nobody, she couldn't get along with anybody, couldn't get along with the, her dorm mate, she couldn't get along with anybody on her floor, and just all of these problems, problems at home, problems here, problems there, financial problems, couldn't pay for school. And he said, well, we spoke for a while, and he goes, I noticed on the way, Wednesday night, if you're here Wednesday night, on the way out, she looked in the mirror and did something with her hair and went, Ugh, and walked out. And he goes, wait, come back here. He goes, sit down. He says, what's your relationship like with your dad? Boy, she just, he doesn't want me here. He's not saved. He's not a believer. And he doesn't want me here at church. I mean, he doesn't want me here at college, Bible college. And so he told her, you want peace back in your life? Your dad's your authority, go obey him. Well, I'd have to leave school. He goes, well, you want peace in your life or not? He goes, you know that girl left school that semester, packed her stuff up, went home. He said she drove into the driveway. Her dad was in the front, at the front porch. He was an unbeliever. He was not saved. And he goes, she got, she got out of the car and she thought he'd be happy to see her. And he said, Get, unpack your stuff. She was kind of shocked by it, he said. So she went and thought she'd have a great welcoming home, you know, went and unpacked her stuff. 
And uh, he said, come here, sit down with me. And he said this, this is the first Christian thing I've ever seen you and your mother do. She was, not in the, she was under the judgment of God Amen. because she was living in an area of disobedience in her life. And you know what happened? Her dad got saved. You know what happened? Her dad says, you're, you're going back to school, but I'm paying for it. I'm telling you, friend, it just fixed it all. I'm t- listen to me. Would you listen to me? Would you just get right with God? Amen. It would fix it all. What happened? Well, somewhere unbelief got into your life and got into your heart. And all you need to do today is repent. See, there's nothing more that God needs to do for you today. He's done enough. All you need to do is to restore a heart that just believes Him again and desires to him, have Him again and to obey what He's telling you to do. And watch, the only, listen, the only thing you really need to do is to do the next thing that God has told you to do. No, there's not something out in the ether you're looking for. Just do what he's told you to do today. But if your heart's gotten away from him, even that simplest thing is a monumental task. What do you need to do today? If you're away from God today, he's not going to give you any more. He's given you enough. If you're away from God today, you just need to confess your unbelief. You just need to get with God and confess your disobedience. You just need to get alone with God and confess to Him that you have a heart that's away from Him. It's up to you. Israel could have, amen? Look at chapter 10. They they could have believed. They, They had the preaching. They had the Word of God. They had the prophets. They had it all. They could have believed, right? And so can you. So can you. Let me ask you this morning. Is there a refusal in your heart to believe something? Has God been pressing something upon you that you've been saying no to? Would you do this today? Would you just get your heart right? And have a heart for God? And just come to the place of doing what He's told you to do? And I don't know what it is. It might be simple as simple as pick up a phone and you need to call that person and get a relationship right. It might be something that's, I know that's not simple, but we're not talking about these huge monumental tasks. Whatever God has told you to do that you are running from, get it right. Get it right. Father, as we come to a close here this morning, thank you for yet again another just uh, some more uh, just simple clarity. Lord, that our relationship with you is paramount. You've saved us. You've redeemed us. You've given us life eternal. And you've desired that and you want a heart. You want us to have a heart that's close to you and loves you and trusts you. And of course, obedience is one of those outward things that we do that show to ourselves and others that we trust you. And Lord, we know that Israel just refused to believe. 
And we know, as we're going to see in the next chapter, that it's possible with us too. So, Father, if there's a heart away from you to hear today, in any way, in any way, it may not be something huge, it may not be some deep, dark secret, it may not be anything like that at all. It might be something that if you told somebody else, they would say, is that it? <laughs> Father, we know that's not the point. The point is that we have a heart of obedience and a desire to please our Father. Lord, if there's hearts that are away today, as your Holy Spirit convicts and does His work, God, would you help us to respond to you today? In Jesus' name, amen. Stand, please, as the instrument plays. The invitation is open. However the Lord has spoke to you this morning.